With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We all just knew that this was coming, folks. Um, we have some uh, inductions into the former Oakland great uh, Hall of Fame. Uh, Julio, you take it away. Let the music build up for a second. Now, Julio, you take it away. These are probably, uh, I would say, got to be top top ten all-time former Oakland greats. Potentially. De- def- definitely since we started. We're, we're, we're going to need Since this. We started so. the former Oakland Great Hall of Fame, at least. That's the sound of a log we need is opening. Joshua Isaiah Harrison. Andrew Gregory Chafin. Jacob Tanner Diekman. Christopher. Michael Bassett. Oakland A's, 2015 to 2021, one-time All-Star. Matt James Chapman. The fact that his full name is a Matthew is kind of interesting. I never knew that. Yeah, that's super weird, right? Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't know if I agree with that. Yeah. His parents need a stern talking to. Um, 2017 through 2021, a one-time All-Star, three-time Gold Glove winner. Chappie was only one. one time Two, 2019. Yeah, that was. I was at Angel Stadium. What? I was at Angel you didn't Stadium. Get it in 2018. When it was announced that he was going to be an All-Star and need a home run, I was. Anyways. That's highway robbery. Math, you didn't get in. Matthew Kent Olson. 2016 through 2021, one-time All-Star, two-time Gold Glove winner. Only winning two gold, gold gloves is fucking criminal, by the way. But yeah, those are all the well, players. Was he, that 2000, he was 2019 too, right? All-Star, one time, just this last year. Yeah, yeah. There was an All-Star game in 2020, so it doesn't count. Welcome to the town tailgate, everybody. Everything is <clears throat> awful. Uh it. You know. Immediate reaction would be that, I would say, Julio, but I think what we're going to get into in the second half of this podcast, there's a lot of optimism. As you know, at least I have a lot of optimism. Um, hey, I, this... I feel like I've sold you a little bit on some of it, though. No, I'm... I'm I get it. Yeah. It sucks. But, hey, I think this is a lot of potential with this lineup. So, Chris, before we jump into that, what do we got for the docket today? What are we going to be so... talking about? Today we are going to share a few of our. Ooh, excuse me, sorry about that. There's a fly that walked, just went right into my face. I was uh, say, fly walked, dude. Get the hell out of that house. The <laughs> fly was walking. 
We're going to go through the trade halls for um, for the three big trades that the A's made in the offseason. Chris Bassett, uh, Matt Olson, and Matt Chapman, which, again, uh, um, we'll try and help you guys see some optimism on that. Um, talk about some of the new additions that the A's made. A couple of uh, uh, familiar faces, three to be exact. Oh, I guess four. McKinney, I guess, is the fourth. Um, and then uh, me and Julio are going to um, talk about what the potential lineups are going to be um, this coming opening day. Um, and for the season and what we could see from the personnel that's left over for the A's. But first, Julio free agency has happened. Uh, there's been a ton of big moves, literally like I think it was t- there wasn't any moves directly after the uh, after the lockout ended. But it was like 12 hours later because, you know, the agents have to start calling the teams and stuff like that. But it just went like it was like 48 straight hours. of Boom, boom, boom. Every hour there was another big signing. Um, so we're not going to go through all of them. And said me and Julio are going to share each three of our favorites. Um, um, and, uh, you know, what about those moves that we liked, whether it be the money, whether it be the fit, whether it be whatever. Um, so we're going to do it that way. If you guys want to check out, uh, want to need know more about, um, some of the big signings that happened, you can go to MLB.com. They have a trade, a free agent tracker there. They even have at the very top, um, uh, the, uh, top, uh, 15 uh moves according to mlb.com so you can kind of like get a, a little bit of a, a a quick preview on on what the biggest moves are you don't have to go through every single sign and every single team did so there's that uh julio you want to share your your three first and then i'll go yeah i'm gonna give first off with i feel like we do this kind of consistently we don't realize this but a little love for the giants because i really like the carlos rodon signing uh, they signed him to a two-year, forty-four million dollar year, around twenty-two mil a year. Dude, that was sneaky, by the way. Sneaky as shit, and I think yeah, it's like, it was like in between two big moves, and no one really saw it except for Giants fans. You're like, what the fuck? Like the Giants got Carlos Rondon. That's huge. Yeah, especially like seeing what Kevin Gosman, the length of his contract and how much he got paid. That probably stood yeah. out for the Giants. Only a two-year deal, so it's like if he in, in can my do opinion, it in those two improvement years, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think it's a great deal on both sides because. We all know that Oracle Park's pitcher-friendly. Go there for a couple years. If you can really hold it down, then the Giants got the money to spend, and they'll willing to spend it like up it for you. So I think that's a win-win on both sides. Great deal for him. Um, I really, really – a lot of people kind of overshadowed that Yankees-Twins trade where the Twins got Gary Sanchez and Gio Urshela, and the Yankees got uh, Josh Donaldson. Everybody kind of overshadowed it because of the John Donaldson name. Isaiah Kyra-Falefa – Toured up last year for the Rangers. The guy can play multiple positions in the in- infield, including catcher. He was a gold glove winner, and he's a pretty consistent How old is back. He? He's still pretty young. I could, yeah. yeah. Um, but, like, to me, I think the one issue that the Yankees will have at that infield, and I think a lot of Yankee fans will tell you, is it's not the most. He's 27. He just mm-hmm. turned 27. Okay. Um, it's not the most athletic, versatile infield. But now you're going to have a guy who, cool, you need Donaldson to take a day off at third. Great. Put Kynafleffer there. Put Glaber at second. DJ will play second. You need mm-hmm. yeah, Glaber needs a day off at second. Cool. Put Falefa there. And you just keep rotating him around. I know some people are kind of saying like, oh, he's a stopgap player. But no, dude, this guy's really undervalued. And I think Yankee fans are actually going to come around to him to see how good he had been in Texas the last couple of years. And then last but not least, I'm just going to say the obvious one of Freddie Freeman going to the Dodgers. This is potentially, at least in our lifetimes, 
going to be one of the best lineups ever where there is a every player in this lineup has been an all-star there's going to be at least two or three of these guys who are going to be going in the hall of fame and now that you got a dh too so now like cool you're just going to rotate out muncie and taylor at second and dh spot and then freddie give him a day off then muncie can go play first he's a gold glove caliber first baseman so many moving pieces with this team the offense somehow got better Will it matter at the end of a rotation? Wait and for a few other episodes when we talk about that. But on paper, though, the star power in L.A., it draws again, and it, they look awesome. Yeah, I mean, losing Max Scherzer sucks, but, like, if you're can, if you going to average, like, fucking almost— this is an exaggeration, by the way— but if you're going to average, like, almost 10 runs a game, like, <laughs> it'll be fine. You know what I mean? Like, you can just kind of scrap together what rotation you can, which— the the Dodgers are not scrapping together any rotation. They still have good guys, but it's not quite the level that it's been the past couple of years. That they're the depth of the rotation is not what it used to be. But they're if Trevor Bauer can play this year and they're gonna let him play for the Dodgers, then that could really change the subject of that. But I haven't seen any update on that though. I don't know he what got the status suspended is. until or he's on leave until like middle of April while that gets figured out. It's so what's their rotation now? It's it's obviously Kershaw. He just resigned. Bueller, Urias, Bueller, Kershaw, Urias, and then um, Redhead. What's the they name? resigned Dan Duffy? No, Dustin. Dustin, Dustin uh, May still out. Yeah, Tommy John. Oh, he's remember. still hurt. He's still hurt. Tony yeah. Gonsolin is there. I yeah. mean, David Price can be. I'd imagine they're probably going to bullpen it unless they can make a trade or if they can get something somebody for cheap and just kind of get some dudes back there but either way damn scherzer does kind of hurt but still like if you have bueller and you have kershaw and you have urias at the top of your rotation that's still really fucking good dude and then if bauer comes back then that's your first four then i think you're good but and then sure but even even with those three alone even those three alone like that's i would be worried going into a rotate into a playoff series again and then the bullpen is a mess now no no uh kenley no more joe kelly so we'll see chris what do you have so my favorite is hands down the Josh Donaldson edition. I thought that was like super sneaky. Um, and he's like a perfect fit for the Yankees. Like, especially it, it, I, I feel like he's kind of fallen off the face of the earth um, in terms of notoriety in the baseball, like fan community really recently, because, you know, I, I think it was a couple seasons after his MVP season, he had a season long injury. So he's kind of hurt and he came back and he, he played really good for the Twins. He played really good for the Braves. He put up good numbers. Like he's still hitting around like two seventy. Still hitting like thirty bombs. Like and he's a great. He's great defensively. And like the Yankees especially could really use that. Like their defense was all over the place last year. It felt like he's a huge step up from Gio Urishela, who I thought was like super overrated. But Yankee fans, because they're Yankee fans, they like talked about him like he was the second coming of Christ or something. Um. But I think he's going to be some defensive stability that that infield like desperately needs. Um, uh, let me see. Fun uh, fact: obviously, Josh Donaldson's ever won a Gold Glove. Yeah, that that's really tough. Like he's he's had a tough go at it because he like he had it. His first few years were the same. Were kind of the end of the Adrian Beltre area era. You're never going to beat Adrian Beltre in a in a. Um, in a uh, in a gold club third base contest it's just not going to happen and then like right when adrian beltre um retired uh, uh chapman, like chapman kind of came up though one of those seasons he did play in the nl 
um, when he played for the Braves last year, so he had a, he could have gotten it um, no, last year. But no, Aaron Otto. Oh no, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah, like, sorry, man, you're not gonna win it there. Either. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. All right, um, what do you got next? My next one. Uh, oh, Freddie Freeman, obviously, for all the, all the reasons that you said. I I think this makes their infield just absolutely dominant now, and there's a lot of versatility. Max Munsky Munsky can play three of the four positions. Um, obviously, you have you have a. Uh, uh, fucking Trey Turner at at shortstop, who's who's a stud. Justin Turner is the only one that really worries me, but you still have Chris Taylor who can plug in there and play play in the infield. Um, he's probably going to start in the outfield, but you know that's the great thing about Chris Chris Taylor is he's like probably the best uh, utility player in 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 the, in the league. Um, and then uh, which we're going to go over, you know, in a little bit when we talk about the A's. Um, uh, you know, lot or transactions, but like I think Chris Bassett is like fucking huge. Um, for uh, oh my god, why am I a number that? three pitcher? Uh, fucking the Mets. Rotation. Sorry, yeah, yeah he, like that's that's a he was our ace, and now he's he's is he the number three pitcher? Well, you're not. He's not going to be ahead to Grom or Serger. That's what I'm saying. And then yes. and then Sin- it's going to be Sindergaard? him, Taiwan Walker, and Carlos Carrasco. Oh, Taiwan Walker, yeah. Which is that is some horses there those are guys yeah i guess who... he would be number three I, I no i was thinking number four i wasn't i wasn't thinking one or two but that, oh, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. The, uh, that's why i was just like man like you know one of their big issues last year was was it, it felt like pitching it felt like the was the only one doing anything but now i mean oh my god that that's gonna be if they can get their offense together and they can like be stable and be consistent like they are a fucking scary team in a playoff uh, um series. Taiwan Walker had kind of an underrated year, and then he was only there for Stroman half the season, had, though. Yeah, and then Stroman was decent too. He was he had some years, but it's like what Bassett and Scherzer are going to do there is going to be pretty wild. It's yeah, be as as much as it hurts and, to happen. And but. I think the Mets kind of learned from their woes a little bit last season with the the inconsistent play from a lot of their their batting order. They got like guys who are known for their consistency and Mark Hanna and. Starley Marte and and these guys who can kind of like ground out the batting order a little bit. And, yeah, and, and, and you can plug and play them anywhere in the batting order, and they can get production out of the guys around them. You know, I think that the argument could have made that Canna and Marte would probably be up there for the best moves because if you think about it, you know, what's your job as a leadoff hitter, at least the modern day leadoff hitter, is to see as many pitches as you can, right? Yeah, there's not many people who are better at that than Mark Canna. So yeah, having just, him in front of Pete Alonso and Francisco Lindor now doing that. Not many people. Be... Not many people in in the league are better than both those guys. Those are like probably two of the top ten guys at just getting on base and in, in, in Major League Baseball. Yeah. And you put those guys in front of Pete Alonso at, at hitting at four. Oh my! I mean, your your run your run d- differential is going to just go up a lo- with that alone. And yeah, I mean, I, I think it was a great move. I think the Mets are definitely going to be a force to be reckoned with this season. We said that last year. We said that every year. So, but I mean, yeah, it's going to be interesting. When but last year these. the Braves were a machine. This year they are still a machine, but they lost their best player. It's going to be a different. But I know the were... Braves got better though. We'll talk. We'll talk. We'll say this. We'll pencil this down. Say that for the we'll, preview pod. Yeah, yeah, the preview pods. But um, yeah, I, I actually, I, I'm, I'm curious to see how I'm going to do with the exercise that we normally do for the preview pod and, and ranking them. Um, cause I remember last year thinking like I was going to have the Mets, um, take the East, but I ended up having the Braves do it. Any, um, yeah, because they just wanted different categories. Anyway, we can move on. 
Um, uh, the trade halls, Julio. Um, should we just talk about the 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 three that that the, the yeah. three big ones? Yeah, the three. Well, I think those are the major ones. But I think there's something that we I got to talk to you about before we jump into this, which yeah. is we didn't really have we didn't get a chance to record immediately after the lockout ending, which I think all of us are just relieved that this is all over with. Yeah. Um, but it seems like what was always been, what has been a problem for the last five years is 10 years is still going to be a problem, which is teams like the A's, the guardians, the pirates, the reds, they're still going to play this fake poor shit. Mm -hmm. And obviously what has happened since that trade deadline or since the baseball came back, A's traded away three of their stars. The Reds have started a fire sale. Traded Sonny Gray, Jesse Winker, Eugenio Sanos, or Eugenio Suarez. Castellano signs away somewhere else. And it's just it We're gonna get to all the exciting parts of what happens with these trades, but it's kind of depressing to think that like nothing changed for us. Nothing's gonna change for these franchises like those. After all that happened, the players are going to be taken a little bit care of, but as a franchise as a whole, nothing got changed to incentivize those teams from actually remaining competitive and being spending a little bit of money, which I think is total bullshit. That was just my rant for that. I wanted, to yeah, say, I've been wanting to say that for a few weeks now. So, so I'm glad. Speaking of speaking of the end of the lockout, it feels like all the right changes and decisions were made, except for the the payroll minimum which is like the one thing that's really just keeping this game and franchises like ours, the ones that we watch um, from growing popularity. If anything, it's, it's kind of like ruining it a little bit. Um, But you know, like, like expanding the playoffs, which I've been a big advocate for, for years. Thank God they did do a 12 team playoff. So three wildcard teams, which is going to go into my shtick in uh, once we get into these, um, potential lineups next next season um uh they're doing the ghost yeah universal dh um which we all saw that coming though uh they're continuing the ghost runner for this season i don't know if they're gonna do it after the season i don't know how i feel about it quite yet yeah i i i personally believe that after 12 innings we should just tie um but you know we'll see the the ghost americans don't like to tie you should know that (laughs) I know, American but sports like, don't like to tie. Well, I'm a soccer fan, so I'm a little bit more yeah, used yeah. to ties than other people, I guess. Um, and then um, uh, p- pitch clock is going to be um, um, something they're going to kind of look at because let's be honest, like that's probably the biggest thing is that uh, if you if you have a chance, listeners, you should go on YouTube and and um, and go on and Google or and search for um, uh, modern day. Uh, pitch like um speed or, or sorry not speed uh modern they they have videos that compare like dennis eckersley um throwing like three pitches um uh back in the day compared to like max scherzer throwing pitches and like the amount of time it takes max scherzer to throw three pitches is like 10 times longer than it took dennis eckersley to to do his whole shtick like it's insane how pitchers they just take so much fucking time these days to throw their pitch to take a lap around the fucking mound they it's get goddamn ready. millennials they, chris it's just baseball like, 
it it just okay it's just uh they just it it it's an, it's insane so like they're they're adding in the pitch clock and they're they're making all the right moves but it seems like the one main move that they're not doing is trying to retain stars in small markets i don't know how like it that's always going to be an issue unless they they find a way to fix it anyway the weird thing is yeah it doesn't have to be an issue because other sports are able to do that just baseball can't figure that shit out Giannis won a goddamn title in milwaukee also the thing i loved is um starting next year every team is playing each other that's tight i'm hell excited for that Mm -hmm. all right i'm gonna go ahead and lead us off here with the Chris Bassett trade to the Mets. This was the first cut, and of course, the first cut is the cut is the deepest. Um, the oh, A's God. received two pitching right-handed pitching prospects in the deal. JT Jin, I can't wait to see the signs in Oakland for that. And then Adam Aller. Uh, Chris, you are our, I guess, uh, college baseball prospect extraordinaire, and I guess, um, you know. If, Reading about these guys the last few weeks, how are you feeling like in this trade? So in this particular trade, I I was really high on Jin. Um, he he's a he's a slider in a in a high fastball pitcher. He throws like around ninety five. Um, he went to Mississippi State, which is like I, we talked about it at the during the college baseball or college World Series last year um, when we did like those updates. Um, is uh one of the best uh, baseball programs in in college baseball. Um, so he's definitely cream of the crop in, in that aspect because they get all these great prospects. Um, but yeah, reading up on him, he's got great control. Um, um, and, and he's a classic ace pitcher. He's a low slider pitcher. He's going to get the ball in, in play and he's going to rely on the defense to, to, to make a lot of, a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of the outs for him. Um, he, he had a little bit of, uh, of, a he's only really been in, in double a, but he's just dominated in double a, um, yeah, I, I just see a lot of potential in him in terms of like a middle middle starter, a middle rotation starter. He's not going to be an ace. He's not going to be like a Frankie Montas or anything like that, but he's going to be really good, really consistent. And um, the thing that I found most interesting about the Chris Bassett moves and the Matt Olson moves were all the prospects they got are ready to be brought up. So it, it's – I was texting you about this, Julio. It's I find it interesting that – you know, it felt like a fire sale at first and that we were just doing a full rebuild. But I don't necessarily know if it's a full rebuild because I'm looking at the prospect list and almost every prospect is expected to um, be in the big leagues 2022, 2022, 2022, 2023. Like, like I I think it's a classic Billy Bean move where it's like I love to – I can't stand losing so much and I want to win that I want to win as soon as possible. So he, I don't think he wants this rebuild to go longer than two years. And the cool thing about with Aller, uh, he was actually the Mets minor league pitcher of the year in their organization last year, which is pretty killer to have. Yeah. Another interesting thing too is he was on the Mets 40-man roster before he got mm-hmm. traded. So because of that, he will automatically be on the A's 40-man roster. So like you mentioned, we're going to see him this year. Yeah, is he going to be on the opening day roster? I don't know. He might be bullpen. He because our bullpen's kind of a mess right now. We could probably yeah. use some young help. Yeah, it's it's definitely going to get some young help there. Um, 
I, I but, like it. I think the one Jin, thing people Jin, are... Jin, okay, is, Jin is definitely the prize. Jin is definitely the prize. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just wanted to say real no, quick. No, Jin fine, is definitely fine. the prize of that trade, and he's going to be... He's going to be like a Chris Bassett. He's going to be like a middle-of-the-rotation type of start. I think Chris Bassett exceeded our expectations, so... But, yeah. Which leads to my point. A lot of Ace Twitter, because... You know, I love it. Look, honestly, Ace Twitter's awesome. I have so yeah. much more fun in Ace Twitter than on Warriors Twitter because if things go bad for the Warriors, totally. it just gets really sour downhill and just fingers thrown everywhere. But um, there was a lot of negativity with this trade because they're like, Chris Bassett was our ace, all this other stuff. Yes, he was. He was an all-star. He was ace. He was a leader. But realistically, Chris Bassett is 33 years old, 30 four and he yeah. just had his first really good year and he was yeah. in the organization for almost seven years there was not going to be any of a higher like picks or guys we could bring in a bigger haul like these other two guys that we'll talk about in a minute reality was there probably wasn't a full big of a market that the A's thought there were because of those intangibles so I think Chris actually ends up in a pretty good situation where the pressure's not on him to perform. You got two other guys in front of you who are one's a lock hall of famer, one is making his case to get there. You're like, dude, just do enough. This is the perfect place for him to go to to continue his career. And of course, we're going to be rooting for him. And he's him. surrounded gonna... by his boys. Yeah, with Canna and Mar- I don't know how boys he is with, with Marte, but yeah. Well, we're always going to root for him because yeah. he's a. The guy's a rock star. He was really the heart of this team for those couple of years. Mm-hmm. All righty, Chris. Let's go to the next heartbreak, which oh, was... Oh, and, and real quick, it adds to our rotation depth that we have building over these next two years, which is important. <laughs> now, the most... Arguably the most handsome man got traded. I think he is. <laughs> He's like, it's not arguably. It's a fact. Uh, I, I, I should have brought up the poll. I asked, what was... Are you going to miss the most about Matt his Olson. Hair. I voted his, for his hair, for sure. His play, his hair, or his his uh, his bat, his defense, his hair, his smile. Yeah. And I think I, the hair was actually pretty far ahead. I voted for it. His hair is pretty on Perfect point. helmet hair. Jessica yeah. Kleinschmidt is the one that pointed it out. And just oh, ever since she? then, that's all I Yeah, he would always like take his helmet off and just kind of like whip it back and just like put his hands through it. You know what I mean? He's kind of like in Shrek 2 when Prince Charming like does the... Like, yeah. Anyways. Yes. Big yes. trade. That's the perfect um, way to explain it. <laughs> so the A's traded Matt Olson to the Atlanta Braves, and they got an absolute haul. And I think we were absolute haul. Damn excited about this one. Yes. Uh, starting outfielder, center fielder Kristen Pache, who has once won their prize prospects over the last couple of years, mm-hmm. comes with Oakland in that trade. Shay Langerliers, catcher. He was the a- the Braves minor league player of the year last year. Um, absolute stud behind the plate. Uh, Ryan Kusick and then Joey Estes, the last two right-handed pitchers. This ru- this ruled. This was an awesome trade, I think, for both teams. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, we're going to miss Matt, obviously. It's, yeah. It, but it's just that this we've been through this before. What were kind of a couple of the stand-up things for you in this one? I mean, we got the t- probably the future two best players of our team. Two of our three. I mean, Tyler Soderstrom actually is probably going to be our best player yeah. in about in about two or three seasons. But um, Christian Pash could very well be that person. And and um, or is it Pache? Oh, I'm sorry. Pache. 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 Yeah, Pache. That's a cool way to say that. 
Um, um, and uh, the the thing that is confusing to me was was the the Langoliers. Uh, uh, addition to that because we already have Soderstrom who's a catcher. It looks like Soderstrom is probably going to be moved to first base, especially now. Um, and but then we also have Ch- uh, Sean Murphy who's under contract till twenty twenty seven. He's a Gold Glove uh, f- nominee catcher. Um, he did have a rough year um, um, uh, with his bat last year, but it was his first full season. I don't expect him to you know completely mold into that yet. Um, I don't know. I mean, what what do you think about that? That's I I, I Langoliers is a uh, is a is a better prospect um, than than Sean Murphy was, which is really interesting. So it's like I know you had talked about maybe they're looking to trade Murphy before, but I have not read a single thing that they're they're testing the waters with with Murph at all. I don't. Yeah, I I don't get it, and. Um, I know that the, this organization loves having their catching depth. That's yeah. no secret at all. Just think about the guys they've had over the last few years. And we've kind of bit into the hype of like this two-man rotation and behind the plate for some time because I remember when we had um, Alex Coffey last year, she was really high on RMS Garcia. That didn't pan out. Yeah, We both were big fans of Jonah Hine before he got traded. And then Austin Allen just kind of lingering around the system. But, like, Shea Langoliers already shot past all those guys just from walking in that building. He's an absolute defensive, like, stud. Some of the, I saw a video last night or a couple of days ago where, like, oh, the early comp in terms of defense is Pudge, which is, like, yeah, d- like don't run on The him. scouting so, reports say that he's going to be a perennial Gold Glove nominee, like, no Gold Glove finalist. Like, he's, yeah. he's that – like, his, his calling card is his defense. His bat is just his power – and it's not he's not a good hitter, he's a good power hitter, so his the power in his bat is just an addition to his amazing defense. I just it just sucks from this whole situation because you know, unfortunately Murph's career kind of caught a hit like every a lot of other baseball players because of COVID. Where yeah. Murph didn't have get to have a full he, Murph should have had a full season in 2020. Yeah. Have yeah. that going there. Um but that being said, something's going to give at some point, whether it be a position change, which I don't think either of those guys are going to change position. They're both, you know, Murph won a freaking gold glove last year. Or Yeah, they're both great defensively. It doesn't make sense. Someone's going to get traded. And I would think yeah, the outlook will, was going to be Murph because I think by the time, like, Langolier's ready to be your everyday guy and you just have another kind of solid backup catcher, then what Murph would be at that point could potentially bring in a lot more. So this isn't a – I don't think Murph's going to get traded anytime soon. Yeah. But I think next offseason maybe – Test the waters a little bit. Though. Yeah, maybe summer of 2023 trade deadline, that'll happen. But I don't think he's going anywhere this year, season at least. Yeah, you don't want to position change either of these guys. They're, too, they're both studs at, at, at what they do. But also, uh, so that was my original thought when they got him. I was like, oh, okay, maybe they're – I remember I texted you about this. Maybe they're going back to the um, platoon at catcher. Because um, it worked so well with Murph and Jonah Heim in twenty in twenty nineteen, but I I just don't think you want to restrict either of these guys um, in terms of games they they should play because they're they're yeah I mean I, I, one thing about uh, about um, 
Langelier's uh, uh, scouting report that I saw that was really interesting was that um, he is a clubhouse um, like favorite, um, and he um, is a great leader in the clubhouse. Um, he's been known for that in all every single level that he's played. He's played the game, um, and they say that's like one of his best qualities um, in term as a baseball player. Um, like people just guys respect him in the clubhouse, and he gets along really well with his pitchers and pitchers um respect his uh input in terms of calling a game um and i think that's really important i do feel like that's one thing that that it i you know i don't i don't know for sure but it felt like murph was was missing out on some with at least some guys uh last year in the pitching staff like murph you know, and montas they yeah. never clicked yeah and wasn't it sean Manaya too wasn't it like uh like Manaya had like was nine and one with uh with um, yeah, his face, yeah, that's uh, right. Jan Gomes catching, and then and then Murph caught like, Murph caught like a really important crucial game at the end of the season, um, and it and they lost it. Yeah, I, I mean, I just so, so there's something that's not personality wise clicking that Murph has, um, but it sounds like, um, Langeliers ha- Langeliers has that. So it's, um, Braves yeah. fans were not happy with parting him. I watched no. a, I've been watching mm-hmm. um, Farm to Fame. It's like one of the John Boy, like their minor league pod that they do. Nice. And um, they were talking about like, yeah, Shea Langerlier like, they were pulling like, yeah, this guy was going to be the future, like their catcher of the future. It was just like, yeah. when now Travis Darno just signed a two-year extension and like, they just, and fortune that it's what they had to do to get something like this, is how trades work, right? You got to give up a little bit, something you yeah. like just to get that. And then last but not yeah. least, uh our boy oh, wait, hold on chris pat oh. chris christian pat pache uh um if you have not been watching him in spring training he is just a clinic out there in center field defensively he's oh so, yeah he's oh, so yeah. awesome he he is a hustler too he like dives for balls that he should not be diving for and makes these amazing plays he covers the ground um like perfectly uh when ramon comes back ramon's probably gonna be moving to right field because uh Pache It'd be better just, for his arm too. Yeah, with I agree. Arm. Yeah, yeah, and with those two, and then probably Chad Pinder in left field, like that. That's going to be three big arms and three fast guys out there who are going to cover a lot of ground defensively. We're going to be very good in the outfield. Um, he's already ready. He's going to be our starting center fielder on opening day. He's 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 so good, really fast. We don't really know too much about his bat yet, though. But he does have some power. Um, there's not enough evidence to see exactly what he can do with it, but he's got some pop. So watch out yeah. for that. Um, and I think what's going to benefit him too Potentially is like 20, 20 home runs, 25 home runs this season. If and when he does go to Vegas, because, you know, their balls are, he's probably going to have to go spend some time out there at some point during his tenure. In I don't Oakland. think so, man. I think, oh, uh, at but some like, point. yeah. yeah at some but point. like when he's rehabbing, whatever I was like, it could dude, be. it looks like he's going to, he's going to start in center field on opening day. I don't know. <laughs> That's going to be some confidence booster. Yeah. And then last thing about him. And I thought this was hella funny. So, you know, uh, I have cats. And uh, whenever you have pets, you just give your pet. Your pets have multiple nicknames, right? So um, a nickname I have for Peach is Patches. Because it was a slip of the tongue by Ann Whitney's dad. She He had called her Patch. So Patches of Hulan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I was really into playing the show last year... Christian Pache, I kept getting his cards. So I kept calling her Christian Patches. 
I'm like, Sweet. center fielder for the Atlanta Braves. And then little did we know. Are you going to start calling her that now instead? Christian Patrick? Of course. I've, I've been calling her that before the trade. The last thing, too, the guy played in the World Series. And he played in the yeah. NLCS. And he made yeah. really good plays up there. So, all right. Mm-hmm. All right. Last but not least, our boy, Chapton America, uh, Man Chap, Matt Chapman. This one sucked. Uh, arguably... The, the one that hurt the most was, I don't know, but again, another huge people were really pissed off about sh- this haul too. I no, I think this is a really great deal. I did got. too. I did too. But, but ACE Twitter at first was really upset. I'm sorry. You should go ahead and just it's, say what it it's is. It's because they probably didn't do enough research. Yeah. And they don't, but that's why we're name. here. Yeah. That's to why. educate them. That's her unpaid job. Uh, Kevin Smith, not the director. Uh, he has one, been one of the top prospects in the J system for some time. He played a little bit last year. He's coming to Oakland. Uh, Gunnar Hogland, who is actually AJ Puck's college uh, rotation mate in Florida. Um, and he's a right-handed pitcher. And then a couple lefties, Zach Luge and Kirby Sneed. Uh, Kirby Sneed, not the pink guy. But uh, Kirby Sneed's probably going to be coming out of the pen. And... Um, Doing work another lefty out of the pen. They just need that. They lost two guys who have been rocks over the last couple of years, really. Say what you want about Jake Diekman, but in terms of a serviceable lefty out of the pen, he did the job. And then uh, mm-hmm. Andrew Chafin was pretty freaking good for most of the time as an A. Was he should should he have been the he's closer? Reliable. That's something we're never really gonna Yeah, he's reliable. So um I think for one, that's probably one of the more underrated trades is getting Snead in the deal because just yeah. like the pen was a freaking dumpster fire last year. Also, speaking of that, forgot to mention former Oakland great Sergio Romo going to Seattle. So forgot to do that at the top. But what was your initial reactions to this? What are you know? How are you feeling now that the dust has settled a little bit? Uh, my initial reaction was, who the fuck are these guys? And then I looked them up, and then I looked up mostly Kevin Smith's uh, background. Um, I feel like we've been burned a couple times on these guys that were, they were when they got drafted high prospects and then they fell off and they didn't develop well, but they come to our system and they'll, they'll get right back on track. And like, sometimes it just feels like it doesn't work out a lot in that way. Like um, um, Grant Green is someone who comes to mind in that situation. But I, um, Kevin Smith has been dope in he's been fun to watch in spring training. I I mm-hmm. I'm on the Kevin Smith train now. Like if he starts at third base, I'll I'm I'll be cool with that. Um he he's been getting hits in big spots. He's been great defensively. Um yeah, I I I I I mean Gunnar Hogland, we're not going to probably see for a couple of years, so it's it's hard for me to tell what what the deal is with him. Um so we'll see how he develops in in the system. We have great pitching development in our in our minor league system so hopefully they'll they'll get get everything they can out of him but yeah kevin smith i i actually i i like a lot after watching uh spring training games all all this week and and seeing him play this is probably going to be the trade we're not going to see the most upside excuse me upside for yeah and for at least another couple years kevin smith will probably be an everyday guy this year Mm -hmm. and then kirby excuse me kirby sneed will be in the pen yeah. Um. I think what everybody's scared about is I think we are all have major PTSD of trading third baseman to the Blue Jays. Yeah. 
But as long look, as long as none of these guys try to start a fight with <laughs> one of their teammates in the locker room, then yeah. we're in good shape. But you know, Danny I, Valencia was like an over the hill like egomaniac though. So yeah, the reputation is kind of a dick. This is like Kevin Smith is a young dude. He's probably like looking to. He's just like he's happy. He's looking to you know make a name for himself. And, I, I he think seems the, to be he's like he's hanging. It looks like he's hanging out with Nick Allen in the dugout. Like there, it seems like he's getting along with the guys. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm actually, I'm actually pretty excited about the future of our infield. So, before we kind of jump to the next subject, what would be? Because I had to do this for my dad. <laughs> he, he was like, what do you mean? I called him when the trades went down. He was just like, bring me some. Good, he's like, you know, get me excited. So what? Would you tell the A's fans who are haven't had a chance to really look into it? There you have your pet. They have their pessimism still. Mm-hmm. What is your words of encouragement for this team in you know whether it be this year or in the near future? In terms of these moves or the team in, in general, um, the the moves you know they're kind of correlated with each other, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I would say the future um, infield for this team looks fucking good. Nick Allen. He just got demoted to AAA, which is unfortunate. I'll get into that in a second, uh, my thoughts on that. But he was hitting 714 in in spring this year. He was hitting some bombs, too. On top of putting on a clinic at shortstop. He is going to win a go glove at shortstop. I'm telling you that now, A's fans. Julio, mark it right now. Chris said Nick Allen will win a shortstop go glove. It will happen. He is that good. He showed his stuff in the Olympics last year. You got a great glimpse of it. He's doing it again in spring. He's just fun too. He uh, Dallas interviewed him the other day on the broadcast um, in the last couple of innings, and he's just like a funny dude. Uh, um, uh, sorry, oh my god, I'm totally like oh Max Muncie. He's going to be a lot of fun to see. Uh, Zach will, Geloff has been tearing it up in spring Zach training Geloff too. Has been tearing it up too, but he, he's got to get his back going. Um, and uh, obviously, Tyler Soderstrom. Once they eventually officially move him over to first base, our infield is going to be is going to be very good. And if and if it's hitting, if they hit as well as they have been hitting um, in in the minor leagues, it's going to be like another 2018 four All Stars in the infield. Although I guess they we you reminded me earlier that there wasn't that 2019 four all-stars in the infield. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. So I would be very excited about that. Yeah. I, I, what I was going to say is like, this is the way they're at least what this, this core looks like right now, if they're going to continue with these guys in the future, this is going to be an elite defensive team. Yeah. This is going to be like one of the, and and I think that's they're really kind of playing in what the Coliseum if you know if the Coliseum is still going to be there in a few years from now whether it be Howard Terminal or you know elsewhere this is going to be the team that their most important thing their bread and butter is going to be defense um, and plus the A's were a bottom three team farm system these trades alone have pushed them up to the mid level. What's going to get them over the top is the development of the guys you mentioned of Soderstrom, Nick Allen, um, Langerleers, and, and, and Max Muncy. Max Muncy, Galoff. If these guys Langerleers, can shoot no, up. Langerleers kind of already developed, I feel like. It's mostly yeah, the, like the, the, the really young guys. Yeah. If these guys can live up to that potential, this, is a, this has a lot of 
I said potential again. I don't want to repeat myself saying the same word twice. Yeah, whatever. But this, yeah, fuck it. Uh, Yeah, Yeah. whatever. Uh, They have the potential to be like one of the strongest farm systems. So these next couple years are going to be really important because it's like, you know, the right times of bringing the right players up. Is it, you know, how do you kind of learn the inflation of playing in Vegas with the AAA? So now these next couple years, it's going to be a lot of learning. And there's no way to learn more then bringing in some veterans. Look at that transition. God damn it. Chris. The boys are back in town, Chris. I don't want to stop because he was so good. Keep going. The boys are back. Yeah. So the you know A's, the A's uh, re-signed a couple uh, key, uh, key uh, veterans that you all know and love very well. Steven Vogt um, signed a Vogt's deal coming back, baby. last week. Jed Lowry just signed another deal to come back as well this year. Jed's coming back. Uh, get some veteran leadership in the, in the locker room because um, it's a whole lot of youngsters, as we were saying earlier. Um, and, uh, yeah, it'll be great, especially Stephen Vogt. He'll just, he's just going to have a ball um, in the dugout, and he's going to he, – look, <clears throat> there is a lot of potential with this lineup. Um, there's a lot of young question marks with it, but I personally think there's a lot of potential. We just talked about the the defense and the and the hitting, but it's the starting pitching that is what really excites me personally because there's going to be a, a lot of depth to the starting pitching because, I mean, we thought that Manaya and Frankie were going to be gone. Um, we and then they both got an arbitration deal. And, yeah, and it looks like from – from uh, the reports that we're getting, so it sounded like the original report, which was Ken Rothenthal, was saying that it sounds like the A's are not looking to move Frankie Montas. They are still open to Shamanaya. And then a couple hours later, John Heyman had tweeted that he had spoken to a lot of executives who were in talks with the A's, and they're getting the feeling that the A's have no interest in, in trading Shamanaya and Frankie Montas. Now, that report I would find I would uh lean heavily to uh being pretty uh realistic because if he's talking to executives who are trying to negotiate with with the A's and they are getting that feeling, it means that those executives are probably offering pretty good packages for Shamanaya and the A's are still turning him down, which is only one sign that the A's don't really intend to move those guys unless the package is like out of the park. Matt Olson level so sounds like Manaya and and Frankie are still going to be here this year and we probably could have we probably could have put together a starting rotation without them yeah and I think having somebody like Vogue who's going to be help you know he was just on a world series winning team he's yeah. still got the letter to me this is a great like, leader too he's a great yeah, leader. great leader this seems like a couple things one the swan song I think he really loved his time in Oakland yeah and that, you know, he wants to kind of finish his career there. But also, I wouldn't be shocked if when he does retire next offseason, he's still going to be sitting on that bench in a coaching position yeah. or somewhere in the minors. Or if you're going to see him in the booth of working alongside with, with Glenn, like there's going to be a lot. There's a lot. There's so much potential with Fogue in this mm-hmm. organization. Post passes playing career, just having them there, having somebody who's going to be exciting and that we all can gravitate to, of course. Um, you know, Jed, he's, he's really going to help. Real quick, you know he's really going to help is Sean Murphy. I just realized this. Absolutely, yeah. Like one thing that Vote always did well, he's he was a great leader and a great clubhouse chemistry guy. He can really help Sean Murphy with that and like 
growing these relationships with the pitchers and like trying to like showing Murph how to be a leader and how to how to like you know manage these personalities in the rotation and in the pitching staff. Yeah, totally. And um, I, and Murph, I think one of the more underrated things about Jan Gomes this last half of the season, and I think there was probably some things that Jan taught him. I don't know if we're really gonna. I love to have somebody who's on, you know, if we have any of our friends who are in the A's press, who are in Zoom calls and stuff, can you ask Sean Murphy what the impact of having a veteran like Jan Gomes was like and what advice he gave him? That'd be great. But it has potential to do that later. Uh, but I think another move we got to talk about, the, the Billy McKinney trade, the signing, I will see. It might have been another arm. It might have been another body to have in for spring training i don't know but whatever. who's gonna play first if not mckinney that's the thing bill mckinney's an outfielder he played first today we'll get we'll get to that actually okay next segment. but um i think sheldon noisy chris go take a lap go you did it you called it on this last podcast i think you called it i didn't call it i thought it was you i thought it was you where, where you're like look either way let's pat ourselves in the back Melissa gave us a shout out on Twitter for she it. Did. So, um, but no, like, hey, at the end of the day, this is a team that it's an open competition for a few positions in mm. that infield, and have somebody who's got a familiarity with the system and playing in Oakland. Screw it! And he just came back from a stint with the Dodgers, where I'm sure he probably was able to take in a lot of information from playing on that yeah. over there as well. Oh, I, t- I thought you were like burping yeah. or something. Um, no, no, I'm done. <laughs> uh, yeah, so do you, let's should we should we do our potential lineups for the season? Let's <clears throat> jump into yes, it. Let me get in my little because no, what I have to say next is going to relate to that. So I might as well okay, jump go for it. That. Yeah, do do. So um, I I don't think too much of the Billy McKinney trade. I think they just need depth at first base because right now they don't really have any have a first baseman. Um, it it might have to be Eric Thames, dude, because. I don't. I mean, I. You know who I really want to see at first base is Sheldon Noisy, because I. It, I there's not really any other fit for him in the infield right now. Uh, like it. And and I, I don't know. I mean, we we don't have a first baseman. The guy hits home runs. It'd be nice to just have him get some steady playing time in a position where we need some help. I I don't know. Um, but uh, all right. Who's your leadoff hitter? My uh, well. I'm, you want to do it by batting order? That was how I, how I had it written down here. Okay. Um. So do we? Do you we get wanna... say your leadoff hitter. I say mine. Okay, but do we want to do what we think or what we want? What we want. What we want. Okay. Because yeah. I was gonna do what we think, and then I was gonna go on a tangent at the end about what I want. Okay. Well. We'll just go whatever you think works best. We're doing okay. this live, folks. Christian Pache <laughs> is going to lead off. He's going to play center field. Who's yours? Okay. Uh, Tony Kemp. Tony Kemp's my leadoff hitter. He's going to be playing. He's going to be the everyday second baseman. I think he absolutely deserved it over the last couple months of the season last year. Uh, Tony Kemp is going to be hitting second for me um, and playing second base. So we're similar by Christian Pache. Look at that. My number two hitter playing center field. Look at that. But, uh, so I wonder what was the logic behind. One over the other. I think TK just is a little more experienced of a hitter and has yeah. been around the majors. So that was my, kind of my logic. It's like, hey, you want somebody who's going to have a little more of that, you know, who's been playing in that 
in the bigs for a little bit longer, who knows can see pitches, work up counts, especially after this last year. So my my thought process is that uh uh the second the second order in the lineup has more at bats with runners on base. So I would want someone who has more experience and and has been in those bigger moments, not a rookie, to sit in, uh, to bat in that position. Okay, um, just to take the just to take the pressure off of them. Um. So yeah. Who's your three hole um, hitter? My three hole hitter, starting May fifteenth, is going to be Ramon Laureano. But uh, starting opening day, it's going to be uh, uh, Sean Murphy. My third hole hitter is also Ramon Laureano. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little funny. Which is all right. I'll go tell you my four. And this, so, look, so I, then, so then, can we just do our our batting order not opening day starting May fifteenth when Ramon comes back? Sure. Let's okay. just do what our, our everyday okay. lineup okay, post suspension cool. would look like. Who's your okay. four hole? Uh, Thames. Eric Thames. I have Sean Murphy as my four hole hitter. Sean's gonna. Sean's my fifth. And my fifth hole hitter is a is a my first base combo. Okay. Is Eric Thames, but then. I think Seth Brown should start getting some more love playing first. I yeah, know he, he'll, he, he probably has, will start at first base, huh? Yeah, I think he should because it's funny that like, oh, that like outfield is a wide open competition, but once Ramon comes back, it's not. I mm-hmm. think Pender's going to be playing every day. Pache is going to be in center, and then Ramon's in right. So yeah, it's like there's exactly. So I think there's going to be a combo over there, and then in your six hole, who do you got? Uh, Kevin Smith. Interesting. Yeah, I think you're pretty high. You're high up on, on him that quickly. He's been play- He started the last three games at third base. I think they're they're really uh, like pushing. But as a, as a six hole hitter, uh, I just I mean I don't I don't really know where else to plug him. Okay. S- six uh, in in my opinion, six and seven are pretty interchangeable. Um, okay. You want some more speed um, at the end, so I was going to put speed guys at eight and nine. Yeah. Uh, seventh or sixth, I had Pender. Okay. Pender and le- starting in left field, it's going down and yelling Pender. Nice. And then um, who do you have in the seven hole? At the seven hole, it would be Seth Brown, I guess, or whoever ends up starting at first base. I would like it to be Sheldon Noisy, but he hasn't played any first base in spring. I can't imagine they just throw him in there middle of the season. So, um, Seth Brown. I had. Seven. This is my DH hole and. Even though I was just reading, he still wants to play in the field. You know, we'll see. I had Jed. Jed's just going to be the mm. DH playing there. Uh, in the eighth spot, this is where, I, as my starting third baseman, is where I had Kevin Smith is okay. going to be playing. Just, you know, no major expectations right off the bat. For That, that was my mindset when you put him in the eighth spot. I know he got to play a little bit in the bigs last year, but this yeah. is like even less pressured situation. You're so that was my logic for that one. I want some speed back at the bottom, so I have uh, Chad Pinder at eight. Got it, got yeah. it. And then and then we both we have both, Elvis we, at nine. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. that's his spot. He he like he was there all last season too. So this now, is, this is my tangent. Go ahead. Do you have a bench? I had four. Um, I had no, four guys. I only did a batting order. Okay, go ahead and think of a couple. I have a feeling we're probably going to be in the same mindset. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, um, go ahead. You go ahead. You go ahead. Stephen Vogt, obviously. Yeah. 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 Sheldon Noisy. Yeah. Both agree on that. Piscotty. Yeah. Piscotty, he's uh, he just got he's hurt. He just got um, 
Didn't he just have surgery? Hi- hypothetical. Okay, I, I didn't. Did he get hurt? Shit. Yeah, I think he just had surgery. I don't think it's a. I think it's like a two month like injury recovery thing. But um, don't quote me on that. But um, yeah, I didn't expect him to be on the opening day lineup because he's because of his injury. Left like, shoulder discomfort. Yeah, he hasn't even well, been that, playing spring this whole week. Well, then that leads to my other guy. Who will this finally be? It we'll see. Uh, Skybolt. Yeah, Sky I Bolt it, I has, it has had, to be it, man. It has. He has no option at this point. The guy has been tearing it up in Vegas. He gets mm. called hitting wise. He's always been a pretty solid defender. He's always got really good speed, but he's never been able to figure out hitting in the bigs. So this is your last opportunity, dude. Figure it out now, or you're gonna be, you know, be the DFA guy every other team. So I want to go back to Elvis Andrews. The A's should cut Elvis Andrews. He has zero value left in a modern-day baseball. He hits around 210. He hits less than 10 home runs. He is above average defensively, but there's nothing about him that like sparks off the page where it's like we're playing him for his defense. And we have Nick Allen, who has been killed in the spring. He killed it on Team USA. He's been killing it in the minors all last season. He deserves a shot to be the everyday shortstop. He deserves a chance to be in the big leagues and they just demoted him to triple a this year. To me, I don't, I don't understand the value in, in, uh, in Elvis, except for the fact that there's still money left on his deal. And because we got him in the trade last year, it's like, they feel like they have to play him because they're already paying him. Just, just cut your losses with the guy. Like, I'm sorry. Elvis is great. He's a veteran presence. That's probably why they're keeping him, really, because he's he's going to be a veteran leader in the clubhouse. But he has zero value left. And we have a kid who's been killing it, who we really need to see, ex- like, truth, truthfully, like, what we got with him. And uh, and he's uh, better. Like, I, I just – would you rather have a guy who's going to hit uh, – if I were to predict Nick Allen's stats this season, I think this is pretty realistic. 250. 15 plus home runs potentially 20 or would you rather have elvis andrews who's going to hit 210 and eight home runs i mean obviously you'd rather have nick allen because it's just like to get those reps in at major league level as soon as we can and he's going to be a stud for us at shortstop and potentially be a gold glove finalist this season in his rookie season potentially win rookie of the year do you think there is any in any sort of galaxy multiverse where Elvis could get hot for the first half of the season and the A's could trade him. No. You think there's no shot that's happening? No. You think he's just completely done? I think he's done, man. I think he is a lost cause at this point. And I think that there are teams that are a little bit more competitive than us, potentially, that could use a more You know where he'd be a really shortstop? You know, you know where he would actually be a really good fit? Right down the five freeway Angels? in Anaheim. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. Think Well, think about it, dude. You can get away with having somebody like that when you have that potential potent of a stacked lineup. He's also not going to have so much pressure on him to have to um, perform offensively down there where he kind of does. Yeah, I'd, ca- I'd call it the Angels right this now. Year. And I'd be like, all right, Ellis is yours. Give us. 
Yeah. You just drafted 50 pitchers. I just don't get guys. it. And there's nothing that makes me think that he's going to be different with his bat this season. His spring, he's hitting yeah. like 180. Yeah. I, it's, yeah. And Nick Allen's hitting 700. Ugh. I, I, and I know maybe some listeners are listening to this. Like, Chris, you've been on the Nick Allen train for a year and a half now. So you're just like being stubborn in your take. No, dude. Like, go, go watch him play and go look at his numbers. Like, this kid. I I am I really think there's a lot of potential with him. I I genuinely think he can be a 260 to 270 hitter, 20 plus home runs and a Gold Glover. There's potential there for that. Absolutely. Will he be that? But there's a lot of potential there for that. What Chapman was, the hype of how good he was defensively when he first came up is going to be what Nick Allen is right now. Yeah. And and so, with what he's doing with his bat, he could he could not be Matt Chapman bat, but he could be very good. Now, before we go, Chris, we have some MLB breaking news that just happened. Oh, we do? Albert Pujols is going back to St. Louis. Oh, nice. Hell yeah. Signing a one-year so The one last ride with those old guys of Wainwright Pujols and Molina. I guess they need so a DH, I got probably, official. So. So I got official word from uh, Cardinals mega fan and a good friend of the pod, Ronnie Ronnie Wyant, who said, "Yeah, boy." On that note, we're gonna end the podcast. Thank you for listening. Um, <laughs> no, but we actually are gonna end the podcast. Um, we got we have our season preview pods coming um, this week. We're gonna do two of them: one for the NL, one for the AL. We're do- doing the same thing as we did last year. Um, are ranking um, the teams in the in the in the divisions or whatever, and that's how we pick it. Um, might have some guests with us, Julio. We gotta probably work on that. Now. Oh no, we do for AL um, and now We gotta find someone. Yeah, we're we're putting that together. It's been a very busy last three weeks for for the both of us. So yeah. we'll see. Uh, but it'll be fun. Um, hope you learned something today. Um, I hope you guys are gonna get excited about these prospects because they are a lot of fun to watch. Um, check out spring training games. They are on NBC Sports California uh, for the home games this entire week. Um, I will be at opening day, so if you see me, be like, "What's up, Chris?" And I'll be like, "What's up, dude?" Um, hey, you're the guy that took the foul ball off the chest. I am that guy. I'll be wearing the same jersey and everything. Um, last but not least, Julio. Make sure you give us a follow if you haven't been going on Twitter. Oh, we've been plug. having a t- yeah, it's okay, it's okay. Uh, yeah, we've been having a ton of fun on Twitter lately. A lot of interaction with Oakland A's fans. Um, we love talking with all of you guys. So please, let's keep this momentum going. Um, are we trying to make money off of this? Re- realistically, we'd love to, but we're not going to. Um, <laughs> we just love to kind of hear a little bit of everybody's opinion and kind of go through these last what we had to go through these last couple weeks together and either way we're gonna love this team and also quick shout out uh i had a a fun hobby that i've picked up the last couple months which has been curling there's a southern california curling center and i went for an open practice we did a little practice thing and whitney and i signed up to be a part of a league we got paired up with another couple guess what we went five and oh and we won our championship. So I just want to show we off my little trophy here. Look at this bad boy. My friends. Congratulations, Julio. Rookie to, rookie rookie of the year for curling. And also got this bad boy of an injury going on oh. here. How'd yeah, you do that? I fell really hard last weekend on my elbow and I got bursitis. Anyways. Was it while you um, were like uh brushing? I was sweeping and I just ate shit. Mm. 
if you are in the East Bay and you are interested in trying out any curling, I actually learned that there is a curling nice. center in Oakland, folks. Uh, it is called the the inappropriately named San Francisco Bay Area Curling Club in Oakland. It's on Enterprise Way. And guess what, folks? It's just around the corner from the Oakland Coliseum. Nice. Like right off of Hagenberger. So if you have any interest in trying it out, please do so. It's a good time. But last but not least, I'll go ahead and pick up where you left. Let's go, Oakland. Yeah. See you opening day, everybody. The Town Tailgate is an independently produced podcast. It is written and executive produced by this guy, Chris Madrigal, <laughs> and my partner in crime, Julio Reynoso. It is sound mixed and edited by yours truly. Social media management and marketing is run by, once again, my partner, Julio Reynoso. And a special thanks and shout out to my brother, Larry Madrigal, for composing and producing our theme song, as well as graphic designing our album cover and artwork. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Please tune in next week. Please subscribe. And last but not least, as we always say, let's go Oakland.